hard not to sing this song and just think about the goodness of God that he desires as as your father and as his children to pour his favor upon your family, not just in this moment, but for generations to come. It's hard for me to sing this song and not just want to lift up my hands to my heavenly father in thankfulness that his presence goes before me and behind me and beside me and all around me and within me, right? I know a lot of us struggle in thinking, well, I see that God is for Pastor Sam. Don't let this platform fool you. I got issues too. I see that God is for Brother Lel and Sister Erica and JC, Sister Ashley. No, he is for you. And he is for you. And he is for you. That's what the word of God says. And the Bible also says that if God is for you, who can be against you? Nothing can be against you if God is for you. And he is saying today, I'm for you. I'm for you in your mess. I'm for you in your mistakes. I am for you on the mountaintops. I am for you in the valleys. I am for you in the hospital rooms. I am for you in the trap houses. I am for you. And there is nothing you can do. Do you realize you are not powerful enough to separate yourself from the love of God? He loves you so much that he sent Jesus to that cross 2,000 years ago. And Jesus put his arms out and he said, I'm doing this for them. I'm doing this for you. That is unconditional love. Parents, we think we know love by loving our babies. There is nothing I would not do for my kids. I would literally lay down my life for them. But God's love for us is so big and so powerful that we can't even comprehend how much he loves us. But whenever we look at the cross, that's love, right? The cross is love. You are loved. You may have walked into this place this morning. Maybe you got into an argument with your spouse this morning. Anybody ever been there? Sunday mornings are good for that. (laughs) Maybe you spill coffee all over the kitchen floor on your way to church this morning, right, Pastor Rocky? Twice, he said, and it was my coffee, but in his defense, I had already had it, so it was probably for the better of my health that he spilled the second one. Maybe you got into an argument with your kiddos. Maybe your older kids are not here today. Things came against you. But God says he's for you and he's proud of you for making the decision to come into this place this morning and be amongst the body of believers. He's proud of you. Let that sink in. Your heavenly father is proud of you. And he wants his favor to chase you down and overwhelm you all the days of your life. Amen. Do you guys receive that over your family? Amen. Amen can return to your seats this morning. We had a good problem to take care of last night after our daddy-daughter dance. We needed to add some more chairs in here to the refuge because we've been living in the overflow, amen? (laughs) All right, so I wanna just take a quick moment and I wanna just shout out the awesome dads that we have in this community. Can we give it up for dads and dad figures in this community? 
Pastor Rocky had the idea of he wanted to do a daddy-daughter dance. There wasn't one happening within the community this year, and he just didn't want our little girls to miss out on that. And this place was full of about 120 dads and daughters last night, and it was awesome. It was so awesome to see those little girls celebrated. So if you came out to that and served with that, thank you so much. Um, so next Sunday is Easter. <laughs> It's Easter Sunday, and we are so excited. I love the vision that, that the Lord has given Pastor Rocky for this. Instead of coming into this building, we are going to take the refuge out to the people, okay? We're going to meet not here at the refuge next week. We're going to meet at Harmon Stadium, which is the high school football stadium here in Old Mulgee. Church will start at 1045. It's a community event. We're going to have worship and a quick word, and then we are going to have a community-wide Easter egg hunt or gathering um, for kids ages up to 12. There's going to be awesome prizes involved. It's going to be a good thing. If you want to serve at that, Refuge family, we need all hands on deck for this. So if you want to serve at that, we encourage you to come Wednesday night right after service. We're going to have a short meeting from 8 to 8.30 um, about volunteering for that and what we need for that. Um, also, if you did not get one of these invite cards, then you need to get one today. Invite people to our Easter service. Um, share it online. Share it on social media. Share it with everyone you know. So Wednesday night, come invite everybody you know to join us Sunday morning um, at Harmon Stadium. Everybody good? We're good? Awesome. Okay, we're going to go ahead and pray over our tithes and offerings this morning. Father God, thank you so much for the opportunity to come into this building this morning as a body of believers. Lord, I thank you that you are good and that you are faithful. And I thank you, Father God, for your overwhelming love that you have for us. Lord, I pray that you would just open our hearts today and allow us to receive the message that you have put inside of Pastor Rocky. Lord, Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place this morning. We thank you, Lord, that you are here and that you are for us and that you are with us. Lord, I pray that you would just bless the givers in this place today as we give. And Lord, I just thank you that the tithes and the offerings that come into this place will reap a harvest for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. May its favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children. May its favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children. May his presence go before you and behind you and beside you all around you and within you is with you is with you in the morning in the evening when you're coming and you're going and you're weeping and rejoicing he is for you 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 he is for you. He is for you. He is for you. Yeah. Amen. 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 Amen.
God's speaking to me this morning about the body ministering to the body. So I want to have you guys do something this morning that may not be comfortable for you, but that's okay. I want you to stand up. I want you to go to the, the neighbor closest to you or whichever one you prefer. Don't get offended if somebody goes the other direction from you this morning. I said, the body has to learn to minister to the body. Because as long as, as long as it's only us ministering, we're limiting what God wants to do in people's lives. Because you have people at church with you this morning that, that have a relationship with you that may not know me. You have somebody that invited you to church this morning, or maybe you're watching online, gather your family around. I want us to, I want you to put your hand on the shoulder of, of the person next to you. You don't have to know them. We're all kingdom family, praise God. And when we sing this, when we sing this, I want you to sing this passionately over whoever is sitting beside you. You may know them. They may have came to church with you this morning or they, you may have never seen them before. Either way, we're good. But God said the body has to start ministering to the body because no longer will the kingdom look like one or two operating. No longer will the kingdom look like just the, the mega church pastors doing all the, all the things and that's the only way we can do it is getting on YouTube and listening to Stephen Furtick and Michael Todd and all these great men of God. God said, I am trying to employ an army and it starts with us. And so you're gonna sing over your neighbor. May his favor go before you and behind you and beside you and within you and all around you. And as these things are being spoken over to you, over you, I always make sure that we understand what we're singing when we, when we sing these worship songs because it makes them way more powerful. When you sing the verse, amen, you're allowing God to work in your life. You're saying, I give permission for what this person has spoken over me. Now there's some things I don't want to say. There's some people will sit there and speak death over you. We're gonna give you the words to say, because I don't let just anybody pray for me. I'm just being honest with you. You ever had that person pray for you and they talk about the devil for 30 minutes and then say, praise Jesus, amen? I'm not all about that. So we're gonna give them what to declare over you. We're declaring generational blessing, come on. Generational favor in the name of Jesus, come on. And in that last verse, you're gonna say amen, saying, God, let it be unto me. Let it be unto me. Okay, so let's go. Be upon you. The drummer don't have nobody. Generations, and your family, and your children, and their children, and their children, and their children. Be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children and their praises. Be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children and their presence. Go before you and behind you and beside you, all around you and within you. He is with you, he is with you in the morning, in the evening, in the calling, and you're going, and you're weeping and rejoicing. He is for you, 
accepts me I'm okay as long as all the things can come against me as long as I know God is for me come on I can tackle anything anything why because I'm not worried about winning on my own merit I'm worried I'm, I'm just I'm just enforcing the victory of Jesus over my life amen amen you guys give the worship team a round of applause this morning you guys can be seated Hallelujah. It is Palm Sunday. Some of you are like, what is Palm Sunday? What does that mean? I had a, uh, I had a shirt that I bought at the beach one year. Uh, I don't know who let me buy it, but I, I, it was a nice shirt, but it had palm leaves all over it. I was going to wear it this morning. And Pastor Sam was like, I don't recommend that. And then she was like, if you wear it, you have to find like a Hawaiian lei because you look like you're going to Hawaii. I was like... Well, I received that in the name of Jesus. I'm going to Hawaii, praise God. Uh, so um, whoever God is speaking to send, to sow into a trip to Hawaii, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm ready. I'll take you with me, praise God. Palm Sunday. So um, we preach about it all the time, and I, and I, and, and I always give this disclaimer. I am, I am, I mean, God's called me to empower people. 
I have to understand my assignment. I'm, I'm here to, uh, we're all called to win the lost, right? We're all called to, to reconcile people. The Bible says we are, we are called to a ministry of reconciliation by which whether they've been saved or never saved, we're trying to reconcile the relationship between God and man. That's everybody's assignment. That's not just my assignment. My assignment uh, on the other side of that is to empower you to, to walk out this assignment because I'm only one man. I'm only one man. Somebody asked me one time, uh, a vegan asked me one time, uh, well, you know, this is doing this to environment. And what are you doing for the environment? Talking about cows and all the things that they cause. I said, well, I'm eating all the cows I can eat, but I'm only one man. I'm teasing. I, I heard that joke one time. That was, that was a lie that somebody told me that. I was just, I was trying to get y'all a little bit loosened up this morning. Praise God. But God is constantly trying to shift us. If we're really honest with ourselves, we, when it comes to serving God, when it comes to our relationship with God, we are, by most parts, by most standards, we're, we're at best uh, working under a slave mentality, a slave to the law. And so we came from we're better than we were. We were a slave to sin. We were a slave to um, to, to drugs, to pornography, to uh, success, to money. We were a slave to a lot of stuff. But then if we're not careful, we just put a different kind of bondage on church people. And church just becomes, we're just slave, we're slave to another master. And God said, and God said in one, in one point, he said, I've taken you from from slaves to sons, meaning what? It says, the son under, I, with the son, I share the family business. I share the kingdom. That's the kingdom of God is, is the family business. And so, uh, so we're constantly trying to get people to understand. It's not, um, and, and, and Lael and I talk all the time, we talk about kingdom culture, meaning we are to establish the culture of the kingdom. Because we are, because we're the sons, we're operating in the family business. So Romans 8, he intended for us to walk in inheritance as sons. Um, and and we, we've learned in the last couple of weeks that our inheritance is glory. But the problem is we live glory on Sunday and Monday through Saturday we live hell. Come on, like this doesn't feel like glory. Like where am I missing it? And it's all, and, and it's all with a mindset Joyce Meyer called it the battlefield of the mind because we can't, we can't wrap our head around the concept that God would trust us to run the business. Why? Because we've got issues. We've got sin. We've got all these things where we fall short. And so, um, and so we're, we're going we're gonna to kind of talk about, you know, we know Jeremiah 29, 11. We can all quote that one. A lot of us have been raised in church, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, uh, plans to prosper you, plans to give you a hope and a future, an expected end, one, one translation says. Um, we're coming up on, on Holy Week. And so you guys understand that, I mean, when you... <laughs> When you look at what Jesus went through in the coming week, we're coming up on Easter, so uh, this Friday will be Good Friday. It was like, if I was Jesus, I wouldn't have called that good, right? It's like, what was good about it? You, you were beat, you were despised, you were rejected, you, were, you, you went through so much. But Holy Week is, is not, it, it, it was not about... It was not about him, it was about us. He shifted from, hey, this is, Jesus wasn't ever building his ministry, he was building the kingdom of God. 
Now we have to, we'll, you know, maybe we'll do a Wednesday night teaching on the difference between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven, two different things. Kingdom of God is here on earth, kingdom of heaven is in heaven, okay? And so we, we have to understand, some of us get saved and we're just worried about heaven. That's, that's great. Uh, you know, and we talk about the, the spirit of God empowering us. We, we just talked about Romans 8, where if we're led by the spirit of God, we're the, we're the sons of God. Can I tell you, we're not gonna need the infilling of the Holy Ghost in heaven. Like what? No, because we're going to be in the, we're going to be as as holy as the Holy Spirit. We're going to be right there with them. The, the Holy Spirit is so we can be empowered to walk out the kingdom of God here on earth. What does that look like? If my family member has cancer, I speak to cancer, and cancer has to die. It has to go away. What does that look like? I'm looking. I'm looking in the face of poverty. But as long as I'm a tithe bearer, I know that I'm tapping into resources that do not belong to me that I did not earn, come on, but I have access to them and somebody, God will just speak to somebody's heart and just, they'll just walk up and hand you $500. You're like, what in the heck? I mean, I've had it happen. I've been broke and somebody just, God leads somebody to give me money. It's like, wow, that's amazing. That's why you have to be very careful not to uh, turn your nose up at those people at the stoplight because God may be trying to use you to show them the grace of God. Come on, I'm not saying I give them all, all my money, but I'm saying that if God checks my heart, I do. Praise God. So I personally do not believe um, that he went through what, he's went, what he went through so we could have the struggle. I wanna preach a sermon one day called The Struggle Ain't Real. Because we're all about struggling for Jesus. Can I ask you something? If I have to struggle for Jesus, then why did Jesus have to struggle on Holy Week for me? He either took care of this or he didn't. We have to look at this and you go, oh, well, you're just a, you're just a everything's, everything's glory. If you're walking in your inheritance, everything is glory. All you got to do is figure out how to figure out what God is saying and follow the spirit versus your sinful nature. It's that simple. We've made it so hard. Because guess what? The Bible says that this, the devil comes to steal, kill, destroy. Jesus came to give us life and life abundantly. If this thing is leading me to something that takes from my life and takes from my family, takes from my time, come on iPhone. Whew, man, I'm addicted to that iPhone. I get convicted every Sunday morning. I, I wish they could send me that weekly screen time report on like Saturday. But they send it on Sunday morning on my way to church. You've been on your phone, it's up 6%. You've been on your phone this many hours. I'm not, gonna, I'm, not, I'm not that transparent this morning. I'm not gonna tell you how many hours a day I am on this phone. I'm like, man, this is bondage, come on. Anyway, so we're gonna look at Palm Sunday uh, this morning. We're gonna talk about how, how Palm Sunday applies and why it's so powerful. Why, why should we not just look over it and go, oh, well, the cross is what we need to focus on. We need to focus on Easter. Because a lot of times we don't even address Palm Sunday and what it's really about. And so look at your neighbor, uh, tell them my sermon title this morning, say, it's about time. It's about time. Some of you spouses said that with a little uh, different attitude than I intended for you to say it. <laughs> Praise God. Uh, you said it with the same attitude as when he picked up his dirty socks off of the floor. <laughs> he actually hit the hamper with his dirty draws. Come on. Galatians 4, 4 through 7 says, But when the, time, when the right time came, 
God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that we could, so that he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of, of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you're God's own child, you are God's heir. Well, God knows when it's about time. God sent me to this morning to tell you it's about time you start you figure out who you are. It's about time that you stop being a slave to the world if that's where you're at, but then it's also about time that you stop being a slave to the law and stop living a start, stop living your relationship with God like you're serving the master. I'm not a slave. I'm a son. I serve him because I love him not because of his rules. I serve him because of what he did on the cross, because I'm so thankful and I realize that he did that for me. He didn't have to do that. At any given point, Jesus could have been like, ah, man, I changed my mind. And he asks himself, he gets in his emotions at one point, at one point in the garden and he says, God, deliver me from this. Nevertheless, and the Bible says that he did what he did this coming week on Good Friday for the joy that was set before him. Like, what? For, you call that, you know, we, we watched the movie, The Passion of the Christ. Like, you, that's your passion? Like, who wants to get beat up after church today? Have you seen that movie? Like, it's gory. Lad said, I want to get beat up. He's like, WWE wrestling style, I got this. Come on. But he's saying, that for the joy that was set before him, what was the joy that was set before him? Like Pastor Sam said, what would you do for your kids? What would you do? Maybe you, have a, maybe you have a son or daughter that the relationship isn't good right now. What would you go through to get the relationship mended? What would you go through? The question we have to ask ourselves during this season, because we're talking about resurrection, we're talking about, we're talking about getting, everybody comes to church on Easter. And I promise you, this Easter, I'm going to do my best to get whoever you bring. Your commitment is that you bring everybody that you know that don't know Jesus. And even the ones that do. And my commitment is I'm going to do my best to present a gospel that will change their life. Because it changed mine. What would you do to get that person that you know, that you love, that you know if they die today, they're going to hell? What would you do? Jesus looks down and goes, man, the sin is rampant on the earth. Like, I don't want to kill them all like I did in the days of Noah. I promised I wouldn't do that again. But I desperately want my kids to understand that I love them. I desperately want that relationship mended. And what would you do? That's what Palm Sunday is about. So we, we're going to look, uh, so just as it, all of our experiences uh, are different, there's, are you, this, this story is in all four Gospels. It's a little different in each story. You've got a doctor telling it. You've got, you know, you've, you've got fishermen telling it. You, I mean, you've got all kinds of people telling this, telling this story. And so we're going we're gonna to primarily be in Luke today. Uh, we are going to pull some things from Mark. But uh, cause, just because I like the way uh, Mark's account says some, some of the things. So Luke 19, chapter, uh, Luke chapter 19, verse 29. Uh, we're going to go through verse 44. I, I always like the New Living Translation. It's, uh, 
I like the message translation in certain things, and we're going to close up with, with some statements from the message translation just because, but, but I think sometimes it gets a little bit off, just being honest with you. It gets a little bit, uh, in the paraphrase, it gets a little bit lost in what God's trying to say, but um, I'm actually starting at 28. I'm sorry, whoever's running the com computer, that's my apologies. Uh, after telling this story, Jesus went on to Jerusalem walking ahead of his disciples. As he came to the towns of Bethpage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives, he sent his two disciples ahead. Go into that village over there, he told them. As you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it, bring it here. If anyone asks why are you untying it, just say the Lord needs it. So they went and found the colt, just as Jesus had said, and sure enough, as they were untying it, the owners asked them, why are you untying that colt? And the disciples simply replied, the Lord needs it. So they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their garments over it for him to ride on. As he rode along, the crowd spread, spread out their garments on the road ahead. When he reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing, and they, and they walked along praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. Verse 38, blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. I love what Mark's account says here. It says, it says blessings on the coming kingdom. Verse 39, but some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, teacher, rebuke your followers for saying that. He replied, if they keep quiet, the stones along the road will burst into cheers. So I want to point out a few things going without going just super deep into it today. Um, I'm trying to get us uh, trying to get us out of here to a good lunch on time. Praise God! Everybody say Amen. That was a good time to say Amen. So at the start of the story, the first thing we see is that Jesus calls for and rides on the colt of a donkey. In Matthew's account, it gives us some insight of the uh, of the significance of the donkey. Matthew 21, uh, 4 through 5 says, This took place to fulfill the prophecy of Zechariah in Zechariah 9 9. And this is what, what this says. And the word came that that and the word came from the prophet that said, You will know that this is your king when he displays humility by riding not on not on the donkey, but the colt of a donkey. I think if we learn anything, uh, when, we, when we look at a couple weeks ago on a Wednesday night, we talked about Old Testament versus New Testament. If we lean, learn anything from reading the Old Testament in light of the New Testament, we see, uh, we see that everything that God prophesied in the Old Testament comes to pass in the New. And so I think we, we, so we don't throw it away going, that's law and that doesn't apply. We go, we read it through the glasses of going, here's what God said would happen, here's what happened. So then when God says something to us, then I can then turn and go, if God said it, I believe it. If I can find something in my new covenant that, God, that God's word says, then I can apply it to my life. Why? Because if, it, if we went old covenant and it manifested in the new covenant, then I can also apply that to my life and go, everything God has said that he would do, he has done. I can tell you in my life, everything that God said, even when I was like, no, nah, God, not me. Not me. I'm not going to be no preacher. Like, I'll serve. I'll, 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 fit, I'll straighten the chairs up. I'll take up the offering. I'll, 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 I'll be behind the scenes. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'm not the preacher. I don't, know what you, I don't know what you're talking about. But everything that God has ever told me has came to pass. Therefore, 
the things that God has told me that have not came to pass before, I just got to know it's about time. It's about time. You know, sometimes if, if you ever get a prophecy from somebody, run to a pen and paper really quick and write it down. And if it doesn't apply in the moment, wait for the right time. If there's anything about the timing of God, you know, God always, I always think, so, so when I started, God told me some things about, about pastoring this church. And so what did I do? I was like, okay, I started preparing. Like, it's, it's going to happen pretty quick. Six years later, I had already given up on the idea. <laughs> like, nah, I try to take the Mounds Church, put my name in the hat for the Mounds Church. That didn't work out. Like, like okay, I'll be the youth pastor. Maybe that's what God was talking about. God, let me, God, God, that was a, one of the greatest seasons of my life, being a youth pastor. I love, I love the youth. I love the next generation. But then God said, no, 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 I'm, I've still got intact what you said, we're gonna talk about some prophecy that was spoken over this church later. But, so we don't just throw away the Old Testament, we look at it and go, you know what, if he said it in here and it worked in here, then when he says it in my life, then it's gonna work at the right time. And so, uh, so I, I, you know, you guys know I'm real with God. I'm real with you guys, I'm just, I'm just very raw. I'm not a polished guy uh, for, for the most part. And so I just asked God, I was like, God, why a donkey? Like, why? Why a donkey? <laughs> and and, and y'all are looking at me like y'all don't ask questions. Like, you, do you not ask questions? Like, when, do you read something and go, why? I know you look at your family that should be serving God and go, why? <laughs> you ever look at people and go, I just, just, okay. You ever look at your kids and go, I tell my kids all the time, just, just help me. Like, I'm not even going to get on to you. Just tell me what rational thought came through your mind to get you to do that. That don't even make sense. I asked Addie, Sam asked Addie something the other day. He said, what were you thinking? She's like, "Say you wasn't thinking? Nope. <laughs> I was like, well, at least she's honest. You know what I mean? He's like, because she couldn't even think. In her mind, she couldn't come up with a rational excuse. <laughs> Ever been like that? God ever, God ever knock on your door and ask you of, the, of your heart and ask you, what are you doing? You're like, nope. <laughs> I, man, I don't know. Don't you know that you're not supposed to be here? He asked the great prophet Elijah one time. He's hiding in a cave. Elijah, what are you doing here? I was like, nope. I don't know. He started blaming everybody else. It was, that's what your kids do, right? It was his fault. I saw him do something and it thought in my mind that I would go do this. It don't even relate. <laughs> Elijah finds himself in a cave and God, God literally says, go out, I want to talk to you. Get out of the cave. I can't talk to you in darkness. We got to expose you to some light. I can't talk to you in darkness. Come out of the cave. And he said, what are you doing here? <laughs> you, you, you know that you're the guy, right? Like, you know that you're supposed to be leading. In that moment, not going into that story today because it's not on my nose, but not in that moment, Elijah has just killed every prophet of Baal and one woman. Everybody say one woman. All the men said amen. That one woman caused me to go into darkness. Y'all better take notes. That one woman will lead you down the wrong path. I'm teasing. Why a donkey, God? 
He said, well, first of all, if he'd have rode in on a horse, it would have confused later prophecies. Think about it. If Jesus would have come riding in on a horse, they'd have been like, oh, no, it's the new Jerusalem. Why? Because in those days, it's not like our days. Let me, let, me, let me interject this by the Spirit of God really quick. Because the spirit of prophecy has been faked so long, we don't trust prophecy like they did. So when somebody prophesies something, you're like, oh, yeah, whatever. And then when it happens, you're like, it just hits you in the face out of nowhere. You're like, bam. God's like, I told you five years ago. But I got asked to pastor this church and I didn't have the credentials. God's like, I told you five years ago. Now you got to pastor the church and go through Bible college. Good job, dummy. Work harder. Next time you'll listen. Anyway. We would have been claiming that it was the new Jerusalem when Jesus rode in on Palm Sunday. All this hadn't happened yet. It would have been, it would have been confusing. Can I tell you, if there's ever anything that confuses you about Scripture, God's not the author of confusion, ask somebody, please. And when I don't have the answer, I'll ask Lael. <laughs> or I'll Google it. I'm teasing. I'm t- for all you critics, I'm not Googling that's why it takes me so long to respond to y'all's texts. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. I ain't never read that before. I'm teasing. <laughs> Scripture says this, this, this donkey wasn't even broke. Come on. Anybody ever been around? Anybody ever been? I'm, I'm going, okay, a donkey, for one. Them things kick like you ain't never seen nothing kick in your life. And then you're talking about a cult of a donkey that doesn't even know probably how to be led. Come on. And it's not broke. Like, you're putting the Messiah on an unbroke look. In my mind, it's a little donkey. Sorry, I don't. In my mind, it's some ones that we played on in the Morris basketball, uh, donkey basketball game. You know what I mean? Like, like Jesus' feet dragging the ground. <laughs> like, come on, this is the king. You like, just gonna throw a blanket over a colt? Like, I would have did it different. Never been ridden. He said, This was a sign of humility. We serve a king of kings that doesn't come in all high and mighty, but came in establishing a new kingdom in which the least becomes the greatest. Because none of you would have got, if you had. Look, he sent them. He said, look, there is a, there's a mama donkey. Let's just call it like that. I don't know. I don't know what is it? Is it Jenny? Jenny? I don't know. Not Jenny Craig. But anyway, there's, there, there, there's a big donkey and a little donkey. Go, get, go bring me both of them. You wouldn't have got on the little one. You'd have been like, hey, if it's my day. Come on, Jesus has been, been denying that he's the king of kings this whole time, but now he knows that this is the day. Come on, y'all, y'all rented a limo to go to prom. Like, you can't even drive your personal car. You got to find somebody that's got a cool car and be like, can I borrow your car? You wouldn't even drive your own car to prom. 
and it's high school. Like, this is my day. I got to drive something that I'm not used to driving and wreck it. And that's a, man, there was one kid that, 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 bar, that rented a, a sports car. I don't remember what kind of sports car it was for prom night. And he wrecked that thing, trying to do something. He didn't know how to drive. He, trying to do a burnout, got out, hit the pole at the, at the, at the, at the, around the little gas meter like we got out here. Anyway. We don't serve a king that needs to be all high and mighty, that needs to be exalted. He said, if I'm going to allow them to exalt me, I'm going to do it in the most lowly way. I'm going I'm to walk in humility best I can. You ever met that, like, like, humility is the most powerful thing in the world. You ever met that, that really humble person? You know, is, it, is it just me or is it hard to come, like, 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 be mad at a humble person? You ever try to, like, chew, chew a humble person out? Like, you idiot, what were you thinking? I know. My bad. And then later you figure out you're wrong and they were right, but they took it. Like, you go back and, like, why did you take a butt chewing knowing that you were right? Ah, not us. We got pride. Like, I'm not taking no butt. <laughs> I remember taking a butt shoeing in the Dallas airport one time, Lel, and I said, I, Lel took it. Lel took it. He's like, I know, man. Yep, yep. I lie. I'm not taking this butt shoeing. I didn't do nothing wrong. You can kiss my butt. I can, dr- I can rent a car and drive home from Dallas. I'm not taking this. We don't need to go into the rest of that story, do we? <laughs> That's pride in me versus humility. I'm not going to tell you who we were taking the butt chewing from because it's irrelevant, okay? But we don't, we don't serve. We have, the, we have this amazing thing that we don't serve a king that asks you to exalt him but rather wants you to exalt him because of what he did. Why? Because Jesus said, I have come. Palm Sunday is not about a ride on a donkey. It's not about, it's about establishing a kingdom. And he said, if the kingdom is going to be established today, if the kingdom activates today, I'm not starting it and allowing pride to get involved in the foundations of this kingdom. He said, I'm going to make it as lowly, as I can. Luke 19, I'm going to go back to 36 through 40. As he rode along, the crowd spread out their garments and rode ahead of him. When he reached a place where, he was, where the road started going down the, down the Mount of Olives, all of his father, followers began to shout and sing, and they, and praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen, blessing on the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven. Why I said something about Mark's account. Mark says, blessing on the coming kingdom. Palm Sunday was not as much about the king as it was the kingdom that he was coming to establish. Because Jesus understood. We have to understand what's, what's taking place here. Palm Sunday was more about, less about riding a donkey into to Jerusalem and more about the activation of the kingdom. Until Jesus had allowed himself to, to be seen as a king, nobody would have ever realized the kingdom. This was the activation of the kingdom. So what we're seeing on Palm Sunday is now 
I have served, I have did all these things, I've did all the miracles, now I've got to allow myself to be seen as king so I can establish the kingdom that I've been preaching about. From this point forward, it's just been a concept. From this point forward, the only person that I was allowed to operate in the kingdom is Jesus. Why? Because he's the, he's the only one that... that that, that could activate the kingdom. He's the only one at this point that can access the kingdom. He had been preaching and teaching about what it would be like, but now it was time. That's where I got that, that title. It's about time. You see, there couldn't be a kingdom without a king. The religious of this day didn't like this at all. They actually asked Jesus, rebuke his people for saying it. And he said, if they keep quiet, the rocks will cry out. Why? What, what is he saying here? He's saying, you can try to hush the mouths of people all you want, but this is coming and there's nothing you can do about it. He's saying, I came on assignment. I've been preparing for this holy week my whole life. And if you can somehow hush the mouths of men, this thing's got to happen because it's about time for this to happen. It's the right time for this to happen. God's, God's timing is everything. And he's saying, this is happening whether you like it or not. So you can hush the mouths of men all you want. But if you do, the rocks will cry out. The kingdom is here. And if God has to use rocks to proclaim it, he will. The, the kingdom will be proclaimed today because today's the day. He wasn't being boastful or prideful. He just knew what was ahead. Jesus knew he had to establish a kingdom and be our king so he could get our inheritance to us. Without Jesus establishing a kingdom on Palm Sunday, you can't walk in a kingdom on Palm Sunday 2,000 years later. It's about time. It's about time that you start establishing the culture of the kingdom in everything you do. It's about time that we start establishing kingdom culture in our relationships. It's about time we start establishing kingdom culture in our finances. Come on, it's about time we start establishing kingdom culture in our businesses, in our homes, in the culture of how we raise our kids. What do you mean, pastor? I don't know how to do that by walking out the inheritance that Jesus activated on this day thousands of years ago. He said, I came to bring the kingdom. Can I tell you, Jesus didn't preach very much about sin. What did he preach about? The kingdom. Why? Because if I can get you to understand that I'm a king and you're an heir, therefore you're a king. Come on. We're not living like kings and queens. If I can get you to understand who you are, then you want to, sin becomes a, ir irrelevant. You say, oh my gosh, pastor, are you saying sin's irrelevant? Yeah, when you figure out who you are, because then you're going to, if you figure out who you are and you start walking in who you are, you're going the complete opposite direction of sin. Sin takes care of itself. Why? Because I'm being led by the Spirit of God, and the Spirit of God is not leading me to sin. Sorry that y'all side of the church is sin, but I'm just saying. I just realized something. There's more people in sin than there is in the kingdom. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Come on, if what Jesus did this coming week thousands of years ago was to make you an heir and a joint heir with him, it makes you on the same level as him, and that's hard for us to grasp. It's okay to come up here and worship the king. 
And it's not okay to think that I'm on, the, on his level. Like, oh my God, you're saying you're on the same level as Jesus? What did scripture say? I'm an heir and a joint heir. It's not by my merit, it's by his word. So if I'm looking at the Old Testament and it activates in the New Testament, then I'm looking at the New Testament and going, he says that if I'm led by the Spirit of God, I'm a son of God, and if I'm a son of God, then my inheritance is the glory of God, then yes, you're looking at Jesus. Like Now somebody's going to take that clip and be like, this dude said he was Jesus. And say I was Jesus. I said, through Jesus, I'm a king. And you better start treating me like it. Come on, I'm saying that about me, but what would, what would your life look like if you started making people treat you about what scripture, how Scripture said you are? Relationships would take care of themselves. Because if you're not treating me how God says I am, if you want to start cancel culture, I'm canceling you today. What if, what if we canceled all the people that treated us contrary to the word of God instead of canceling all the people that did stuff we don't want them to do? At least they're standing for something. I think it's absolutely insane that the little college up here at ORU makes a sweet 16 and they're trying to cancel them because because they take a stand for Christian beliefs. Like these dudes just trying to play basketball. They didn't get on there and attack anybody in their post-game interview, but they gave God glory and God and made them mad. What would our relationships look like if we demanded to be treat, treated like royalty ladies? Man, what would your marriage look like if you treated her like a, a queen? It's hard to wrap our heads around. It's kind of like this. When we're, when we're looking at, I'll get off of that because that made y'all uncomfortable. I, I kind of felt y'all, I saw y'all twitch a little bit. But anyway, you say, here's the, here's, here, my mind goes crazy, you know. So when we're talking about, when you got, when you look at the person next to you, and now I'm trying. Now I see where God is 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 tying in what we, we what we did at the start of service. The person next to you that laid your hands on you. The Bible says that the same power that rose Christ from the dead on Easter Sunday abides in them. You were touched by a form of Jesus, who spoke the word over you. That's what that song was. It wasn't just a feel good song. That was the word. That is direct scripture. Everybody's like, man, that's an amazing song. Yeah, because scripture's amazing. You were touched by Jesus and you got an agreement with Jesus before we ever started this thing. And so I thought when I was, when I was writing the sermon, God brought that little sappy movie, The Notebook. Who, how many men in the house was forced to watch The Notebook? Yeah? I watched it like, I don't know how many times. And they're falling in love and they're starting this relationship. And I don't know why I remembered this part. I think I've only watched the movie like once or twice. Have you ever watched it, babe? I don't feel like I was forced to. I feel like she hasn't watched it. So that means I watched it on my own free will at some point. But 
You guys remember the part where she's like, I'm a bird. And what does he say? Does anybody remember what he says? If you're a bird, I'm a bird. And Jesus is coming in on a donkey and he's saying, I'm a king. And our response should be, if you're a king, I'm a king. That was good right there. Y'all didn't know, y'all thought I was just being silly. Now being a king, the kingdom is established. Now we are by no means exalting ourselves, but rather humbling ourselves and walking in, in, in obedience to be exalted by God, not by man. Jesus said, if I would have allowed myself to ride in, even on the bigger donkey, they'd be like, oh, who's coming on the big donkey? Must be somebody important. Or any other king may have been carried in on some of those things where the people carried them and they're chanting. The kingdom we serve in is not a kingdom by which we're kings and queens so we can be exalted, but rather so we can serve. Because Jesus said, no, 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 I'm not establishing kingdom culture so you can go, well, the preacher's high and mighty, that's where we've messed up. Because we've established kingdoms built upon men, not upon the true culture of the kingdom. We've preached so much about becoming sons, and we talked about Peter revealing who Jesus was through the Spirit, and Jesus saying, upon this revelation, I'll build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I'll give you the keys to the kingdom, and what you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. What you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And I'll say it again on Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday is not about laying palm leaves down and singing Hosanna. Because ho most people think Hosanna means praise God. Hosanna means save us now. Why? Because he understood in that day, salvation wasn't offered to them yet. We're five days away from salvation. Good Friday hasn't happened yet. So they understood by prophecy, here's my king. And so what do they start singing? Save us now. Save us now because now I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna exalt you as king, king of kings, Lord of lords. Why? Because I know that I need, that salvation is coming because of Zechariah, way back in Zechariah 9.9. 9, I remember what the prophet said. Singing Hosanna is great, but it was more about activation of the kingdom. I'm going to keep going. Verse 41, Luke 19, 41. As he came closer to Jerusalem, he saw the city ahead and he began to weep. And at first, topically, I thought, he's weeping because he knows. Was you ever that kind of weak? I was, kind of, I was that kind of weaker kid. I was a small kid. You ever have that big bully that was about three years older than you say, tomorrow at lunchtime, I'm whipping your tail. I'm thinking, Jesus knows what's coming up. He's crying. He's like, <laughs> come on, he's omnipresent. He's, he was before time. He's in the moment, and he already sees the future. But in the moment, he's like, Woo. Mm, I'm literally about to be killed. 
it's kind of like we look at those thir- uh, those other countries where people are being killed for 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 saying the name of Jesus, and we go, oh, and they just had to kill me. But in the moment, you're like, Ooh. come on, you ain't never faced the face that barrel, that knife, whatever they're going to use. Come on, I remember Pastor Van Meter from uh, Dustin one time. He got in trouble because he got the wrong person saved in India, and they put him on a firing line. It was about to shoot him. For some reason, they let him go. They said, you go straight back to the United States. He said, yes, sir. And you don't know how you're going to act. I thought, well, Jesus is weeping because he knows what, what, what's before him. And he's, but what does he say? He gives a contrary thing. He says, how I wish today all of you people would understand the way to peace. What is he saying? I'm walking into Jerusalem, which literally means city of peace. And I wish you guys knew the way to peace. But now it's too late. And peace is hidden from your eyes. Before long, your enemies will build ramparts against your walls and encircle you. And close in on you from every side. They will crush you into the ground and your children with you. Your enemies will not leave a single stone in place because you did not recognize it when God visited you. Come on, I came to talk about it. It's about time. It's about time before the devil steals every bit of every bit of dignity you have before no stern goes unturned. It's about time that before, before your entire life is crushed, it's about time that you know the way to peace. It's about time you realize who you are. It's about time you quit living. Quit living like a prostitute and, and, keep li- and start living like a queen. Quit living like, quit letting the world have its way with you when God wants to have his way with you. It's about time and he's weeping Jerusalem represents the church and I believe he's weeping again for the church because it's morphed into something that he never intended for it to be he talks about how peace has been hidden from their eyes and their enemy will disrupt everything because they didn't recognize that God was visiting them and they took it for granted again on Palm Sunday we're in that same place God has been good to us God has been good to us God has been good to us. And now God says, we're here again. Never before has our, have, has our nation or our world been so divided. God is saying, if you don't turn back to me, if you don't realize that you're kings and queens, if you don't start activating kingdom culture, you're there again going to be in this place where the devil has his way with you. This is a warning to the church. Verse 45, then Jesus entered into the temple and began to drive out all the people selling animals for sacrifices. He said to them, the scripture declares my house will be a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. After that, he taught, in the, in the, he taught daily in the temple, but the leading priests, the teachers of the religious law and the other leaders of people began planning, to, planning on how to kill him. But they could think of nothing because all the people hung on every word he said. This part blew me away. I never connected that this happened on Palm Sunday. I never understood that God, the first place Jesus went after he's after he activates, after he allows them to be the, to, to be seen as the king, the first place he went was to the church. We start we talk about why Jesus turned over tables. Yeah, why? Because he understood that the culture was messed up. It wasn't kingdom culture. It wasn't, he said, 
I designed it to be a house of prayer. You're like, oh, yeah, we got to have more prayer meetings at the church. No, no, no. He said, I design, what is prayer? Prayer is relationship. Prayer is talking to God, going to God for yourself. Prayer. He said, I designed this to be a place where people could come have an encounter with me, but now you've turned it into a den of thieves. He's saying, this ain't, what is he saying? He said, this ain't the kingdom. This is not what I'm coming for. You got to stop this. It's exactly what people were, what, what we were all preaching, many preachers were preaching during the pandemic. I said, this is not kingdom. What was, what was so powerful about Palm Sunday? It was the activation of the kingdom. I want to shift gears really quick as I'm ending. If I can get the worship team so they can believe me. I believe the Gospel of John gives insight to why all this had to happen more than 2,000 years ago. Why God is doing what he's doing in this moment. John's Gospel gives a very, a very brief version of the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. And then goes into an account of that other Gospels don't mention. At least not in this time in their story. John 12 verse 20 said, Some Greeks who had come to Jerusalem for a Passover celebration, paid Philip a visit, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee. And they said, Sir, we want to meet Jesus. Philip told Andrew about it, and they, they together went and asked Jesus. Jesus replied, Now the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory. What are we talking about? We're talking about kingdom. What do we say the inheritance of the kingdom is? The inheritance is glory. He said, Now the kingdom has been activated. Now it's time for me to come into my glory. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it must remain alone. But its death will produce many kernels, a plentiful harvest of, of new lives. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. Anyone who wants to serve me must follow me because my servants must be where I am. What's he saying? You got to follow this kingdom culture because if you want to be in the kingdom, you got to follow my lead. Now my soul is deeply troubled. Should I pray? Father, save me from this hour. But this is the very reason why I came. Father, bring glory to your name. Then a voice from the heaven from heaven came saying, I've already brought glory to my name. And I'm about to do it again. I came today on assignments to, to tell whoever this message will reach, whether today, tomorrow, or 10 years from now, Palm Sunday was about you. Holy Week was about you. You're the reason God is using us. You're the reason that you are who he's after. Unless a kernel of wheat is planted in in the soil and dies it remains alone but its death will produce many kernels a plentiful harvest of new lives Palm Sunday was an activation of a kingdom that was established in order for you to walk in glory the glory in which he intended for you to walk in Christ died so that you may live and live abundantly John 12 27 said it's the reason I came stand to your feet this morning if you're out there on, online or if you're in the house this morning,
you're living outside the kingdom. This doesn't mean this is the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of heaven. If you're living outside the kingdom of heaven, we're gonna you can you can respond with a hand as well. But I think most of us are just living living not as an heir, but rather a slave. God said Palm Sunday was about activating a kingdom in which not, a, not I am the only king, but you are kings and queens because you're my sons, you're my daughters. If you're a bird, I'm a bird. If he's a king, you're a king. But are you living kingdom culture? If you want to make a decision today, become a citizen of the kingdom and serve the king of kings who would and respond to this message. The king of kings who would die for you. He didn't die to make his his life better. He had everything. The earth and the fullness thereof. He didn't do this. When you think of this week, it's Easter week, when you think of what he went through for us, he didn't do it for him. He already had everything. He did it to have a relationship with you, and that's what he wants. He doesn't want you living addicted. He doesn't want you living bound. He doesn't want you living poor. I'm not a prosperity preacher, but I think the gospel is prosperous. Come on. What glory are you walking in when you're broke? It's not glorifying your God. God wants what's best for you. I'm not saying he's going to give you a million dollars today because you don't know how to handle it. Most of us, if he gave us a million dollars today, we would be like those lottery people that five years from now we'd be bankrupt. (laughs) We wouldn't know how to handle it. The second part of this today is a message to the church. I declare the latter, the latter part of John 12, 28. God says, I've already brought glory to my name and I'll do it again. I truly believe that this Palm Sunday, this year in the kingdom, we're gonna see the manifestation of the kingdom of God like never before. I believe the culture of the kingdom is about to take precedence in the hearts of believers, not only in this church, but all over the world. Jesus allowed himself to be declared a king on Palm Sunday so that he could activate the kingdom on Easter Sunday. Come on, I'm gonna allow them to call me a king on Palm Sunday. And seven days later, I'm gonna beat death and I'm gonna activate that king. We'll talk about more more of that on on Easter Sunday. But there was, I I wanna end today I just speaking a couple things. There was a prophecy given to this church. Not anybody in particular, but in the, to this church as a whole. And it was it was a long time ago, but it started off with all the it started off, it was so powerful. I sent it to Lel a few weeks ago. I just ran across it as we were cleaning out one of the offices the other day. It started off with what you see in this house is about to change. It will no longer be recognized as it has in the past. Well, I wish I would have had this prophecy when God told me to change the name of the church because I was worried about it. God had prophesied it a long time ago. I don't even know if I was here at the time of this prophecy. 
What you see in this house is about to change. It'll no longer be recognized as it has in the past. The move, the mold, the look, everything is about to change. And it said this, kingdom mindset becomes priority. It said a lot of other things within it. It says kingdom doesn't look like man thinks it should look, but this place, but in this place, kingdom, the kingdom mindedness will be essential. said my assignment to this place is the kingdom this place will look like the kingdom and it ends it with this it will serve and love those I send to you and be a place determined to please me the father not the man not man for it's the kingdom it's about time church it's about time that you start walking in victory it's about time that you rekindle that relationship with your father with your brother who was beat so you could be back in the family. Come on. Your brother that was that died for you. We talked about the we talked about Palm Sunday being a manifestation of the prophecy of Zechariah 9:9. So I'm gonna read it in the message translation this morning. I'm gonna go 9, 9 through 13. It says, Shout out and cheer, daughter of Zion. Raise the roof, daughter of Jerusalem. You know that's uh, that's got to be a message translation right there. Raise the roof. Your king is coming, a good king who makes all things right, a humble king riding on a donkey, a mere colt of a donkey. I've had it with war. No more chariots from Ephraim. No more war horses in Jerusalem. No more swords and spears, bows and arrows. He will offer peace to the nations, a peaceful rule worldwide. For the four winds, from, from the four winds to the seven seas. And you, because of my blood covenant with you, I'll release you. I'll release your prisoners from their hopeless cells. Come home, hope-filled prisoners. This very day, I'm declaring a double bonus. Everything you lost will be returned to you twice over. Judah is my weapon, the bow I'll pull. Setting Ephraim as an arrow on the string. Kind of sounds like take your shot, doesn't it? I'll wake up your sons, O Zion, to encounter your sons, O Greece. From now on, people are my swords. Come on, I want a shirt that says, from now on, people are my swords. God said, every person sitting in this house, you're a king, you're a queen for the kingdom in here. I have called you to establish kingdom culture. So I'm gonna ask everybody to bow their head today and ask everybody to close their eyes, no looking around, because this is not about shaming people who are where they're, not where they think they should be. If you say, Pastor, I'm not living the kingdom culture. This kingdom that was established Palm Sunday I want to be a part of that kingdom and I don't feel like I'm living as a part of the kingdom in this moment if that's you this morning not as a declaration to me I'm not gonna I'm not gonna find your email address and stalk you later I'm not even gonna have a conversation with you unless you want that conversation 
sword. If you're here in this church and you say, I don't, I feel like the sword's being used against me. I don't feel like a sword. I don't feel like a weapon for the kingdom. I don't, I don't feel like a son. I don't feel like a, a daughter. I don't feel like a king or a queen. I'm living life a whole lot less than this culture of the kingdom that you're preaching about, preacher. And I want more out of my life than what I'm seeing right now. If that's you, I just want you to simply raise your hand up as a declaration to God. God, I want, some, I want something different than what I'm seeing. I want something different than what I'm seeing. I want a different mindset today. I want to see myself as a king. I want to start making people treat me as a king, as a queen, as a son, as a daughter. Because this is what Jesus did it all for. So that you could live a life of victory, a life of inheritance, a life of glory. Father, you see these hands right now. You see these hands right now lifted high to you, God. I pray that right now in this moment... They feel you tangibly like they've never felt you. If you're feeling something and you don't understand what it is, it's the presence of God right now. It's not, we didn't turn the air conditioners up at the right time. That's not goosebumps. That's the presence of God all over you. And God, and I declare over you right now that you will take your identity as a king. Take your identity as a queen. Take your identity as a son, as a daughter of the Most High. We God, you see these people, God, I pray that they see themselves differently when they look in the mirror after church today. That they see something different, they feel something different, God. And as they do that, as they're making this declaration, as they're raising their hands to you this morning, God, I pray that you begin to lead them, my God, because only being led by your spirit is the only way they can operate as a son and daughter of God. Lord, begin to lead them in this moment. Tell them what they should do, what they shouldn't do. God, I'm not here to police sin. The Holy Spirit will do that. The Holy Spirit will lead them away from the life that they're living and to the life of destiny, God. Just, I pray right now, God, that you lead them like never before. That, they, that still small voice inside their heart, God. I pray that they hear it again. God, I, I feel right now that some people remember a time where they were led by the, by the Spirit. Where they remember a time where they were led by their heart into good things. But they've had a season where they've been led into bad things and they've made bad decisions, God. I declare right now, I break the curses that are over their lives right now. I declare right now, God, that they'll begin to hear your voice again. I, I declare right now, God, that they'll be led to do the right thing, God, even when it doesn't make sense, that they'll be led to do good when they when they're used to doing things that are not good, Lord. I just declare right now, God, I'm asking you as a son, speak to my brother, speak to my sister. God, lead them in a path that leads them to destiny and not destruction, God. God, I silence the voices of their past. I silence the voices of addiction. I silence the voices of bad decisions, criminal records, and all the things that are loud in their head when they begin to do good. The devil tells them, you can't do good, you're not good. But we don't have to be good to do good. And we only become good by being led to do good. Because your kingdom says, I'll serve. I'll serve. I'll come to you riding on the colt of a donkey. I'll come to you humbly, God, and I'll do what you ask me to do. If I do what you ask me to do, God, you're going to bread from me along. You're going to lead me to a place, God, that I never imagined that I could be. Right now, that I never imagined I could be because of the leading of your spirit. God, you asked me be an usher. You asked me 
leave your career and take a job cleaning the toilets and painting walls. You ask me, God, go to Africa and adopt children. You ask me, God, go to Honduras and do missions. Go do this, go do that. You've, had, you've told me to do several things, God, over the years. And God, I don't believe that it was about the doing, God. I don't believe it was about the task. I believe it was about you teaching me your voice and teaching me how to be obedient and teaching me what, you'll, what you can do in my life when I'm led by you, Lord. God, I thank you, God, that as these people, I'm not saying they're gonna make every good decision, God. I know they're not. Because I don't make every good decision every time, every day. God, I thank you that as they begin to lead you, God, they'll begin to experience your glory. They'll, be able, they'll begin to have this sense of fulfillment that I have every day, God, that I don't need pornography to fill anymore. I don't need success and money to fulfill myself anymore, God. I don't need any of my other addictions to fulfill myself anymore. That they'll be fulfilled because they'll know they're walking out the kingdom. Huh. God, we, we exalt you, God, not because you came in and demanded to be exalted, but God, we exalt you in this moment because you came in humbly and said, let me serve you. God, that's our heart today. That's the culture that you established on Palm Sunday, Lord. Father, I thank you for every hand, God. Now, now I call forth trust, God, that they can trust people to hold them accountable. They can trust people that'll, that have their best interests at heart, that won't condemn them when they mess up, but will rather celebrate when they do good. God, I pray for those people in these people's lives that will encourage them they will stand along the road with palm leaves. I never saw that before. They will stand along their, the road with palm leaves saying, you're king. You can do this. I know there's some big stuff ahead of you and you've got to conquer some evil. But you can do this. You can do this because of the kingdom. Not because of your merits. Not because of your ability. But because of the kingdom. Just to get me closer than I've ever been. I thank you, church or they don't go to my church, whether they're watching online or they're in the house, whether, whether they speak English or Amharic, whether they, whatever, God, I thank you, God, the fulfilling of prophecy, the fulfilling of Zechariah 9-9, God, and God, more importantly, I thank you for the, for the fulfilling, God, of the prophecy you gave this house, God, that will be like kings and queens establishing a culture in which we serve one another. We will establishing a culture in which we serve one another. God, we thank you. We glorify you today. Jesus, we glorify you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we worship just for a moment before we release? Let's worship for five minutes. That'll give us 1230. Come on, worship him because he's worthy. Not because of anything other than he's worthy. Not because he's Suffering, just to get me closer than I've ever been. 